when I woke up after my brain surgery, I was stuck in a body that no longer worked. And it was extremely frustrating. You know how to eat. You know how to talk. You know that you could jog five miles if you really had to. But my body couldn't do that anymore. Taboo-ish with Tierra's your girl Tierra Nay here and I have I always say this that I have a very special guest because all my guests are very special especially the ones who are very nice enough to volunteer to participate on this so I always appreciate any type of support I get so I want to thank you Miss Brittany ah, thank you thank you for that wonderful introduction <laughs> you're welcome so this is actually a topic that you suggested, which was a great topic because, you know, as we spoke about a little bit before, it's definitely something that needs to be talked about, you know, yeah. and with taboo-ish things, you know, things nowadays are not as taboo in some areas of the world as they used to be at one point, but in some areas it still is. And that is being disabled in an able-bodied world. Tell us about your disability and your history with it. I was actually born with a malformation in my head or in my brain. It's called a cavernous venous malformation, CVM for short. And what it is is a small cluster of veins that just didn't form correctly when I was born. So it kind of creates like a blood stack of beans. And this can occur all over the human body if it happens to be in your DNA. Mine, unfortunately, was created in the cerebellum of my brain, which is actually where a lot of extremely important functions of the human body are such as balance, eyesight, your facial nerves are located in the cerebellum. It's very close to your spinal cord. So even dexterity in your hand movement, auditory nerves, a lot of things are located in the cerebellum of the brain. It's extremely important for human beings. And Lucky me, that's where it was. So we found out about it when I was about nine years old. The doctors had told my parents they didn't want to operate on it. It was in too sensitive of an area. Chances are I probably wouldn't make it through that operation. So my parents said, hey, you know, it's not doing anything. It's just there. Let's not do anything. Let's just wait and see what it does. And throughout my life, it, it would bleed a little. An arteriovenous malformation, it's when it bleeds, it almost like bursts. Like brain aneurysm, it bursts out blood and people end up dying because their brain gets squished 
mine would just trickle out blood. And unfortunately, when blood trickles out into your brain, it causes damage. So I would lose a little bit of function every time the blood. When I was 16 in high school, to shut off my facial nerve, so half my face was paralyzed for like six months in high school, which is hard for a 16 year old, but eventually it went back to normal. It bled once again when I turned 18. My first finals week in college, that, that was not fun. And then it bled when I was 23. I was doing an internship in China, in Taiwan, China. And it was starting to really affect me. I could feel that my balance was off, my eyesight was off. Even I was even having a hard time moving my jaw around. It was just, I knew something was wrong. And I didn't want to go get anything done while I was in China. Brain surgery in the country that I didn't speak the language didn't sound like it would be a good thing. So I went back to the United States. I lived in Minnesota at the time. And they finally said, Brittany, this is starting to create a lot of damage. Who knows what it's going to affect and shut off next time. Uh, next time it could start affecting organs, even though it was a dangerous surgery. They knew most likely I wouldn't die. They said that there was a huge chance I could become quadriplegic, so where I would lose all ability to use any of my limbs we didn't know who was going to be the next president. So we didn't know what was gonna to happen to healthcare. And I figured I have two more years on my dad's health insurance. So I elected and volunteered to get it done. I kind of lost the ability to walk. I lost my ability to talk. I couldn't really regulate my voice. I became deaf in my right ear. My right vocal cords and throat was paralyzed. I actually couldn't eat anymore. The doctors were extremely scared that I would end up choking and aspirating since my throat wasn't working well. They were afraid that the food would end up going into my lungs instead of in my stomach. So they actually put a feeding tube into right into my stomach. So I still have a scar from that. It looks like I have two belly buttons. Um, sometimes I joke around with my mom. Uh, she's born again Christian. I just tell her, hey, look, I have two belly buttons because I was born again. <laughs> I know, that's um, dope. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so I did a lot of therapy afterwards. And what um, was your journey like with the therapy? 
you know, it was hard. A lot of people who go through the same sort of thing I did or have the same kind of symptoms and aftermath that I did, when a lot of the therapists worked with me, they weren't looking at me like a 23-year-old girl who has her whole entire life after her. They're looking at me as a patient who has basically just had a stroke and we need to teach her how to go about her day with the basic functions she needs. Whereas I looked at it like I just lost everything. I'm 23. I have a long life ahead of me and I need to know how to get all that stuff back. I feel like now people kind of take things for granted, even though this is your job and this is what you get paid to do. I mean, I know you have to do what you have to do, but I just think it's very important to be passionate about what you do, especially when you're working in this sort of a field. I think people kind of get wrapped up in their own lives and they kind of just see it as, you know, hey, this is just my job versus this is somebody, like you said, who just lost everything, who just went through some sort of a tragedy, whether it was a stroke or a seizure or anything like that and I can imagine that it makes people with disabilities and people who went through stuff like that feel like wow am am I a person to you am I a human being to you or am I literally just your job for the day exactly it's it really is just soul crushing it's hard to even communicate because you just lost your whole entire identity when I woke up after my brain surgery, I was stuck in a body that no longer worked. And it was extremely frustrating. You know how to eat. You know how to talk. You know that you could jog five miles if you really had to. But my body couldn't do that anymore almost like you had to start over at some point like when you say you lost all your functions and everything you had to go through the therapy to gain some of them back did it ever feel like wow i'm pretty much starting from square one like i'm a child learning how to walk again or learning how to formulate sentences yeah i did actually i remember telling my parents something along the same lines like man and babies are so lucky they don't remember the stuff because it is hard as hell but I think the most difficult part is knowing that you used to know. And it's hard to remember to be kind to yourself. And there aren't that many people out there who work with people who've been through a tragedy like that. And, and I would call it a tragedy because it's almost like you died and then you woke up. Mm. That's deep. It was um, hard for me also to start navigating the world as a disabled person. And I, I think it's hard because you're given this new label, navigating this new community that you're part of too. It's not always easy. Yeah, I'm sure it's, it's similar in other minority groups. What I've learned for me is that a lot of my opinions about being disabled are just my own opinions. 
other disabled people have very different opinions. I guess that's just the cool part of being human being is we all have our different opinions. Yeah, definitely. I think I always thought that perception and perspective were very interesting because you get so many different ideas. But it's it's kind of a thin line between that and ignorance sometimes. That's the only thing that kind of frustrates me. But, you know, I have a strong ability to, you know, to understand where people are coming from. We kind of touched on that before about being understanding and being compassionate and everything like that. But you brought up a really good point about labels because I was going to ask you, what misconceptions and assumptions do people have about those who are disabled? I would say probably the number one thing that personally pisses me off because it really does piss me off. Um, and what's that? I, I'm not stupid. I graduated at the top of my class, not the very top, but within the top of my class after my brain surgery. So I'm, I'm not unintelligent, but people, when they look at you and they see that you're disabled, they tend to talk to you like you're dumb. Mm. It's very irksome. I'm just like, I don't think you know who you're talking to. <laughs> um, I think it's going to be the savior of the world to wipe out ignorance with education. I, I got this question a lot. So what happened to your face? They've just come up and say, hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. Oh, good, good. So uh, what happened to your face? And you're like, what? <laughs> Did you really confess me that? That's not usually a part of polite conversation, but since you asked. <laughs> and it just goes to show that, like, some people are just, they're very bold, but it just has to, have, there has to be a certain level of decency, especially when you don't really know this person from anywhere. You don't know their background. You don't know where they came from. When you relationship yeah. building, kind of certain things kind of ease your way into certain things. But do you also feel like sometimes when, when it comes to being polite and, you know, socially considerate that there's kind of a medium between, okay, let me approach this gently because I see that this person is disabled or treat this person as if they can't be independent and stand on their own. And it, does that make sense? Like, I know what I'm trying to say, but sometimes I have a yeah. hard time formulating my questions. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've thought this way a lot more when I first became disabled versus now because I've been disabled for about seven years now. People treat you like you're very fragile. Like you can't do things for yourself and you need help. One of the things I used to tell my boyfriend, he was my boyfriend there, he's my husband now. I used to tell him, no, I can do it myself. And just anything from climbing up the stairs which for me is actually difficult because I don't have balance. So I always have to hold a railing, always. And since my right hand doesn't work as well as my left hand, usually I'll kind of like shimmy up the stairs and the railing with one hand 
over the next if I don't take the elevator instead. And my husband always tried to like help me and becoming disabled made me really mad. So I used to be like, no, don't touch me. Mm. Um, but now you know, I've mellowed out a lot and it's, you know, people offer to help me a lot and I'll, I'll take them up on it because usually they're just trying to be polite. But I do think that there is this mentality that a lot of disabled people can't do things for themselves. So people are just going to be playing to it for them. And in most cases, that would be awesome. You know, helping each other out, that's how the world turns, right? That's, we need to be kinder to each other. Yeah. But it should it should just be kindness for kindness's sake not kindness because you think someone else can't do something for themselves if that makes sense yeah you don't want to treat a disabled person like a child who can't do something for themselves exactly no that makes perfect sense you know there's a difference between humanity and community and just oh, this person looks like they need help just because they they have a disability. So I'm just going to do it for them or I'm just going to be like, hey, let me let yeah. me do that. You know, it's like, no, I can do it. Exactly. Sometimes for a disabled person, that can be frustrating. In the society we live in, we're already kind of outcasts. And by you unconsciously, and it really is usually unconscious. People don't think about it. Almost like they're taking something away from you and making you seem more disabled than you actually are. It's hard. People just look at you different and treat you different. And I know even though maybe they don't really perceive it as microaggression, but it, it happens. People will take over something for you because they don't think you can do it or they think they're making your life easier if they do something for you instead. It can be disheartening, very disheartening after a while. And I understand why there's a lot of depression in the disability community. Because really, when you look at the statistics of that minority group, they're not promising income-wise. When you look at hiring rates of the disabled, they're, they're very low. In some states, you can pay a disabled worker less than other people. There is a lot of discrimination against the disabled, even though people don't like to call it discrimination, but that's what it is. It's definitely discrimination. You know, even when you talk about education and special education, some disabled kids, they they might need a little bit more attention or they might need a little bit different way of learning things. But sometimes just sticking them in a special classroom is not the answer. Sometimes they don't even 
get a good education and then it's it's just a vicious cycle from there it's you know if you don't get the education then you're probably not going to get a great job and if you don't get a great job you're not going to make the money and if you don't make the money then you're just going to be poor and it's very hard to break out of that cycle and sometimes it can start from the beginning I was lucky. I became disabled when I was 23. I already had most of my education done. I was already the person that I was. I grew up being able-bodied. I grew up already knowing that there are things in life that I can do, I can accomplish things. I have my education. But, you know, for these kids who are poor disabled, and for the first seven years of their life, the world is telling them that they're different and they're going to be treated differently. And this is all they can accomplish in life. Uh, it's a, it's a shame. What is your definition of an able-bodied world? An able-bodied world a world that you can function in without any hesitation. An able-bodied person would say, hey, look, I'm out of peanut butter. I'm just going to go to the grocery store and grab some. Not me. That's not how my brain is thinking about it. My brain's thinking, oh, man, I'm out of peanut butter. Great. I'm going to have to go to the store. But in order to get to the store, I need to drive, which means I need to make it out to my car. And since I don't walk so well, it's laborious sometimes to get out to the car. You know, my kid's three, so it leaves his toys all over the house. And I don't balance well. I can't pick up my feet very well. So a lot of times it's like, oh, okay. Well, in order to get outside, to get to the car, I have to be able to navigate through the house without tripping over some of these toys. Since I don't have balance, if I trip, I'm going down. <laughs> down, um, down. Yeah, because mom can't balance, so we can't leave toys out. If I, if I was able-bodied, I just think it would be a lot less taxing on my mind the thing is the ADA which has been around for about 30 years the Americans with Disability Act um, it states that things have to be accessible that accessibility is a human right but there are still places here in the United States that are not accessible and you know there there are people who fought for that, who really fought for accessibility, and well, in my opinion, it should be a human right. A lot of people don't believe that, and there are a lot of places in the United States who, after thirty years, the the federal government is saying, "Hey." We gave you a lot of time. You need to fix this so that people can access your stores. 
And I can imagine that makes people feel kind of overlooked, especially with a a wheelchair. It's a huge device that you definitely have to be or have some kind of accessibility. There's just a lot of cards that stack up against you in this world because things aren't made to function with you in mind. And I feel like able-bodied people, you know, like myself, we don't, we don't consider that. We don't think about that because we're so used to just getting up and just, okay, I can get up and go about my day. Like you mentioned, you know, going to the grocery store to get butter, peanut butter or whatever. We just get up and just go. And we complain so much about having to get up Mm -hmm. and go, go, go. And I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I'm I'm one of those people who do, you know, which is why I said that I like working from home because I complain about always having to get up and get in the car and drive and go. But you know, it comes so easy for us. I I love working from home too. And you know what? That's another thing for the disabled community. If it's hard for you to get to work, now we realize that telecommuting to work was a possibility this whole entire time. Yes. People just had to put a little bit more effort into it, but it makes me wonder, Kiara, why can we have put that effort into it for the disabled community for this? Exactly. You know, I never thought about that. It's so true, though. Yeah, it's just, it's hard. Accessibility is, I didn't think about it until I became disabled. I never would have thought about it, and honestly, if I wasn't disabled, I still probably wouldn't think about it that much, because it it wouldn't affect my life. But for some people, it is their life. Exactly. I had an experience where it was a very small experience, but it was really eye-opening, like, wow, I really need to be considerate of those who are not able, like I am. I was working at Disney, and... um, I worked in this, I guess you can call it a department. It was called Stands East, where you work in Magic Kingdom, but you work in like all these different stands and stuff. So we was yeah. at one where we could go, you know, to the bathroom, you know, when whenever we needed to. So I went and most of us like going into the big accessible bathroom because, you know, it's spacious and everything. You can go sit in there. You can check your phone. So that's exactly what I was doing. I go in the big mm-hmm. one. I'm just sitting there hanging out probably for a good 10, 15 minutes. And I already had my excuse. I can't remember what. And you didn't even hear anybody come into the bathroom. But I open the door and it's a lady in a wheelchair waiting for me to come. She has to go to the bathroom. She's waiting for me to come out so she can go into the accessible bathroom. I didn't even hear anybody come in, but I'm looking like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like, I don't know how bad you had to go. I don't know how long you was sitting there. And she was just kind of looking like, oh, finally. (laughs) So, you know, it was an eye opener. You know, you have to be considerate, even with stuff as small as that. You're able to go into the smaller bathroom. So leave the bigger bathroom open in the event somebody who has a wheelchair has to go in. Exactly. You know, same with disabled or handicapped parking spots. Sometimes you just stop and think for a second, hey, if I put my cart right here, is that going to prevent someone from getting down this aisle in the grocery store? Maybe. Exactly. So 
maybe go put your card away, you know? I hate that. I hate that. Especially for those who really need the space to move around. But even for us, people are just so, they can be so ignorant sometimes. Like, that's one thing I hate about going to the store is people think that they own the entire aisle. So they can just have their cart all in the middle of the aisle. Right. You know, it's just exactly. really, and I'm coming down with my own cart on top of that. Like, there's times where I've had to literally, I'm coming down with my cart. You see me coming, and I have to move your cart for you because you just feel like, well, I'm here, and I'm just going to leave my cart sitting right here with no consideration that other people have to get up and down. Like, I just, ah, that's why I hate go yeah, grocery shopping. Exactly. I hate it. So imagine those mm. who are in wheelchairs or in crutches or can hardly walk. And you don't have the decency to, oh, let me just move it to the side. One time, someone called me the disfigured girl. What? The, dis- the disfigured girl at the front desk said, I can't do that. Oh, my God. Like, Are you serious? That just, oh, that made me so angry. Really? Disfigured? Yes, I'm yeah, the disfigured girl. And I was like, why oh. you just call me the disabled girl? Like, sometimes that's, I have my moments. The... Yeah, like, sometimes I have my moments where I'm not really great with my words. But sometimes you really just have to stop for a moment. Even if you got to pause for a moment. Let me just pause and kind of put my, what I want to say together. Let me cultivate what I want to say. The disfigured girl? Wow. Yeah. And to me, when people say things like that, it's it's the intent behind the words that hurts more than the actual word. Like, disfigured, yeah, okay, so half my face doesn't work. Disfigured, technically, yes. But she was saying it to hurt me. And it did hurt. But she still doesn't get what she wanted because, man, like, you're going to call yeah. me names? You think you're going to get what you want when you call people names? Ah. Uh. For some reason, people think that's how it works. And, you know, you and I, we work in the, you know, administrative customer service era in our job. So, you know, we still experience yeah. it now. And people seem to think that because they make the, that's that's just another thing in general with whether it's customer service or this world. You don't nobody owes you anything. This world doesn't owe you anything. So to feel like, well, I demand and I I deserve and I am entitled to. I just I, I never really understood that. Yeah, I don't know. People are on something. <laughs> you don't yep. know how to share, do you? People are just entitled. I'd like to say that it's getting better, but I just don't know. I just don't know. You, you really, it's hard to tell because, I mean, you already have so many people out here, probably billions. I don't have a numerical, but, and you see, sometimes you see kind of, you know, a cluster of goodness, you know, in people. And then you got those one or two that come around and I don't know, sometimes it is hard to tell. It's hard to tell. It's kind of a spectrum sometimes. So, and then you got new people coming into this world and, you know, like you said, the circle of life. So, you know, like you said said all we can really do is you know put the positive energy out there and each one teach one and then from there you know we can't change the world all together but you know it takes time so yeah little bit by little bit 
Exactly. What do you want to be when you grow up? Like, I'm getting, like, vibes like a mentor or advocate or a counselor or something like that. So I got my degree in travel and tourism with a minor in communications. And I think one day I want to set up a nonprofit for disabled people to be able to travel. Um, traveling is very difficult for anyone. It's a, like if you travel to a different country, it, it, it's a process. And that's if you are able-bodied. But can you imagine if you're disabled? I've done it both ways. I'm lucky enough to have a husband who really helps me out. So we can travel almost anywhere, even though I am disabled. Not a lot of people have that, so I want to be able to make sure that they can have those same types of memories that able-bodied people can have. I think traveling is very important. I think it opens your eyes up to different cultures and how different people live. That's a really beautiful goal and initiative. Like, I would love to see something like that come into fruition for the disabled community because it is very important to go out and see things because there's so much life out here. Sometimes we just get stuck in this bubble. And I mean, right now it's a little bit harder with everything going on with the coronavirus. And, you know, people are still able yeah. to travel, but people are not traveling as much. And, you know, there's travel restrictions and things like that. So hopefully when things start to lift a little bit, we take advantage of those times. Hopefully airlines is somewhat be somewhat uh, considerate in prices, but I guess we'll see. Um, cause I would definitely like to get out and get somewhere too. Cause man, I haven't been, you know, outside of Savannah, I haven't really been anywhere. So it is important and I'm yearning for it. So, you know, to be able to contribute that to, you know, your community, that's, that's awesome. I like that. Yeah. I've, I've been lucky enough that I've been able to travel to, yeah, not, not too, too many places, but a couple of different countries. And it's it just, it's awesome. And that brings me to my next question, because I wanted to ask you about your young son. And uh, I know he's, he's three, right? Yep, he'll be four in September. Oh, big four coming around the corner. So yeah, right? <laughs> he's still really young, but what what understanding does he have about you know oh you know my mommy has a disability there's things that she's limited to um what does he understand about that now or what do you want him to understand when he becomes a little older that's a good question honestly right now i don't think he understands yeah one of the things i love about kids is that they're so Little kids will sometimes feel like, hey, why is your face like that? But it's completely innocent from them. So I'll just, you know, I I tell everyone the truth. I'll give everyone a straight up answer if they ask me any question about my disability. I have nothing to hide. But kids, it's cute. It's cute coming from kids because they're innocent and they're just genuinely curious. I don't think my son realizes that I have a disability dad runs around with him and can do all these acts with things with him 
And my son tries to do it with me too, but sometimes I have to tell him, mommy can't do that. Like mommy would love to play soccer with you, but she can't run around. I can walk around, but I can't run around. So sometimes I just have to remind him. Like lately we've been reminding him that you can't leave your cars all over the floor. Otherwise mommy can't get into the kitchen. So make sure we pick up our cars or my son's been doing this thing where he'll just like try to create a path in his toys so that I can walk because um, <laughs> he doesn't want to pick his toys up. So he just like creates a path. It's very cute. It, it really is. Um, I think eventually at some point he'll he'll get it a little bit more like hey mom can't do that part of it's scary though and i say scary because i'm very i'm fearful it's 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 hard this this is the subject that i thought a lot about before i even had a child because kids can be cruel Mm-hmm. And they can, they're usually cruel at the words. But I, I know someday that Gunner or his little friends might make fun of me. Or might make fun of him and say, hey, your mom, your mom's a retard or and something like that. And um, so I've had to sit down with that and think, how... How am I going to react to something like that? How how am I going to deal with that? How am I going to help Gunner realize that even though I'm disabled, it does not mean that he's not just as good as everyone, that I'm not just as good as everyone, and that being disabled does not in any way affect anything about my life or my love for him. There, there's a fear in there because I don't want him to have to experience that, but I know it's probably going to happen. Yeah. Um, and the phrase that I will use if that does happen is, I'm sorry you feel that way. So do you think Ooh. it's going to be more fearful to see how they react to you personally or how they react to your son. Cause naturally as mothers, you know, mothers want to protect their kids. You know, the kids get hurt by it and you know, it kind of stumps their confidence, even though it's not them directly that they're talking about. It's an extension of them that, you know, people are attacking. So which one is it more of that, that fear kind of resides in? I, I would say it's probably like, 90, 10, 90% fear for my son. Fear for my son and his feelings and how he'll start viewing the world. And 10% because I know it's going to hurt my heart personally. I've, I had to go through years of building up my own confidence again and my own confidence in myself. That being disabled does not affect who I am as a person. It just affects my body. That I I am not my disability. 
is something that I had to learn, and there's a little bit of me that is fearful that he won't defend me, like that he'll just go along with it and then just start making fun of disabled people. I, I really hope that, not that I want him to defend me, but that I want him to stand up and say, hey, that's not right. Right. That's not right what you're saying. You hear about this sometimes, like kids getting bullied at school or picked on at school. Um, and there's that one kid who says, hey, stop it. Yes. I want my son to be that kid. <laughs> I want him to be brave enough to stand up against the bullies and say, hey, that's not right. Don't make fun of them. There's a a little bit of me, though, that is fearful that it won't be like that. And that instead he'll just become a bully as well. So we're trying to teach him that you don't want to be a bully. You want to stand up for people especially for people like me who can't necessarily stand up for themselves. We're more susceptible to violent acts against us. We're more susceptible to getting taken advantage of. We can be a vulnerable part of society and that doesn't always mean we need protectors, but it can't hurt. No, your feelings are very valid about that because I think part of that too is the fear of the unknown, just not knowing because, you know, your son is still really young, so you don't know, you know, you can teach him, you can mold him, but he's still going to come into being his own person and he's going to be susceptible to, you know, society's uh, perceptions on things and um exactly you know, you know what I'm trying to say, <laughs> you know, so yeah, it, you exactly. just don't know. So I get that. Yeah. And I just don't ever want anything bad to happen to him. I know it will, because that's how life goes. But I don't know. As a mom, I'm just going to try to make sure that I raise the best kid I can. And when it comes to those hard crossroads in life, I hope he chooses the right path. Amen. Okay, so this is like of my favorite question that I love to ask everybody like towards the end because it really um, gives the person I'm interviewing a chance to really put out there what they feel like the world needs to know or what they feel yeah. like, you know, they should keep in mind during whatever it is they're going through. What advice would you have for those who are in similar situations but may even be struggling even more with being disabled in an able-bodied world, what would you say to them either as words of encouragement or things to keep in mind? I think that the number one thing I would tell people who are struggling is that they don't have to be compliant. I, I see this a lot where because we are a minority segment of the population, people feel like they have to be super nice about things. Like, it's almost like we're being thankful because people are treating us like humans. 
when that's that's not necessarily how it should be you have to stand up for yourself a lot of the things that we're asking for are just basic human rights like accessibility shouldn't be something that we are you know on our hands and knees thanking people for we need to be included in the conversation we need to stand up for ourselves and say hey this is not right and it's on each and every one of us as a disabled person because we're not just speaking for ourselves we're speaking for our community and you if you can stand up for yourself you're one of the lucky ones you're one of the strong ones who's fighting for all the rest of us who maybe aren't able to stand up for ourselves. As a disabled person, if you can fight for yourself, you should. People people aren't necessarily gonna listen to a polite, nice person all the time. And you're more likely to be dismissed. Sometimes you need to be an interrupter because that's how things get done in society. Like, look, even with um, the protests going on right now, we're seeing some change. That Mm -hmm. would not have happened, in my opinion, if we did not have protesting. I absolutely agree with that, absolutely. uh, Nice and polite is not gonna bring about change. Nope. And some people who are disabled cannot fight for themselves or they feel like it's impolite or that people are going to be inconvenienced and what I have to say is so be it let them be inconvenienced their life is not more important than yours just because they have all their functions and you don't your life is just as important Um, I don't know if you believe in God but I do and I believe that we are all children of God and we all deserve the same respect. Oh yes, I definitely believe in God. I had I had my um my time where I didn't really know what I believed in because I you know I went through this and I went through that and I figured, well, why am I going through this and that if you know there's something or someone looking over me? But life has humbled me and life has showed me and taught me that we are all here or at least most of us were here for a reason and we was brought here by some sort of divine source and there's all types of energies that protect me whether they're ancestors those who passed on along with god sending them to be my angels but i can go on and on about that okay because i had all types of experiences with um you know spirituality and astral and all of that stuff so yeah definitely I definitely yeah, uh, agree with that. I have to say, becoming disabled probably solidified any relationship I had with God. Before I was disabled, uh, it was uh, just, you know, I was raised in the church. It was just a thing. Uh, and then I became disabled, and I got mad. I was mad. I was mad at God. And I would say, you could fix this if you want me to or you could change this this does not have to be the end of my story god why are you not fixing it 
And now I'm at a point where I'm like, okay, God, I see you. There is a, you have a plan for my life. So I'm just going to keep on going through this life and it's all for you. What do you feel like you were put on earth here to do or to teach someone? Honestly, if I could be a disability applicant so that someday there are little girls who maybe are suffering a stroke or something similar to what I had or even just another disabled girl can look in the mirror and she can say, do you know what? I'm beautiful. Just the way I am. Um, I want to be an advocate for the disabled so that they know that their life is just as worthy as everyone else's. That sounds about right. And I can't wait to see what you do with that. Cause that's awesome. I love that. I think we, we, we all should have more mentalities like that. I don't think we're all here to serve that sort of a purpose, but we should at least try, you know, even with the ones closest to us or anybody you see struggling that you can help, you know, do what you can. You might not be able to do it all, but just that one act of kindness sometimes will change somebody's entire world. You're the one looking at yourself in the mirror. So if you're okay with who you are, that's all that matters. I love it. I just want to say that I think your story was very beautiful and eye-opening. And I learned a lot today. Not only did I learn a lot about, um, how do I pronounce this here? Celebrio cavernous mal malformation am i saying it right <laughs> yeah it's a uh, yeah, uh, cavernous venous malformation it was in my right cerebellum the cerebellum is that little part of your brain like right down at the bottom that's connected to your spinal cord that's the cerebellum that's where all the important stuff is that's what I love about the brain like it's so it's complex but intriguing and interesting it has so many different parts that contribute to its functionality like I love that yeah it does and what's crazy is we don't know anything like we think we know quite a bit but we don't know anything the brain is so complex it's the only organ that named itself Mm. Mm-mm-mm. and that's church right there and it's crazy because each little part of it controls something different and it's like wow even like with the heart things like that the heart has so many different parts and how the heart and the brain both have to be functioning for you to even be breathing if you lose one it's done you know just all of that stuff yeah. was just always yeah. interesting to me humans are awesome they really are like Every aspect of humans are, it is intriguing. I, I started going to college for psychology because I just thought people and the way they think is fascinating. And right now, I think we all need a different perspective change. Mindfulness. It actually, they've proven that it helps our health when we're grateful each day. Mm-hmm. And I feel it. Yeah. So when I first was disabled, I was very depressed. 
my whole identity had gotten ripped out from underneath me and I didn't know who I was anymore. And I was experiencing this world from someone's perspective that I didn't know. I was very depressed, very negative. And uh, one day, one day when I was basically yelling at God, I realized I don't have to live my life negatively. If you're positive about it, you're honestly the only one who can get you down. I definitely agree with that. We are our own worst enemy sometimes, so sometimes it is important to have mindfulness, just to be mindful and to be in the present as well. Because I think another thing um, outside of not being grateful, not being mindful, is that we are we're such busybodies that we're concerned about everything else the past the future mm-hmm. just try to learn how to be in the moment you can't do much about the past and really you can only do so much about the future i mean you can plan and plan and write this down and put things into perspectives of what's going to happen tomorrow but things will always go as planned so i had to learn to just be in the moment don't worry about everything else all the time exactly well, isn't that they say that anxiety anxiety is thinking about your past and being worried is about thinking too much about your future. So you should think in the present because the present is the present. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's not how the phrase goes, but it's something along those lines. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I don't know the exact wording of it either, but yeah i've seen that before too but i think the anxiety i think anxiety can also be worried about the past but i think it's also or more so worried about the future because it's like that fear of oh what's about to happen type thing yeah i would agree with you that's what I'm working on myself because I have my own anxiety sometimes. So I've, lately, especially like in quarantine, so I've been working on, you know, taking it a day at a time, a step at a time, getting my goals and priorities together and just taking that a day at a time. Stop worrying so much about, oh, what's going to happen with this in a few months, in a few years? Is it going to be successful? Am I going to be successful? Take it a day at a time. You can be whatever you want, but be kind to yourself. Be nice to yourself. Nothing is going to happen overnight. Not for everybody, at least. It's going to take time sometimes. Exactly. So that's what I try to carry with me, and it's been working. All right, good. Yeah, that's it. You you have to be kind to yourself, too. Life is hard. It really is. And we're all doing as best as we can, and sometimes you just have to give yourself props, and you're lucky you made it. You know? Get a bowl of ice cream. You did a good job. Oh, you just remind me I just bought some ice cream yesterday. I just might do that. <laughs> uh, that sounds like plan to me. <laughs> right. <laughs> now, actually, can I add one more thing? Absolutely. Okay. So sometimes people don't know what to call disabled people. And there there is one label that sometimes disabled people get called that I I have never run into a disabled person who appreciates being called differently able. I I don't know any disabled person who likes that term. Um, so I would, me personally, 
being called handicapped or disabled. That's who I am, and I don't mind it. Um, but I don't like when people use the phrase differently abled. I've actually that's never heard that before. So that's, that's I've learned something. Good. Uh, I think in the end, in the end, people appreciate it. it. And if if you call them something and they don't like it, nine times out of ten, they'll say something. See, I have read or seen something that it was actually the word handicap that was considered like offensive. So they wanted people to start going towards disabled instead. So I think those were the two that I struggled with. I'm like, is it disabled or handicapped? I do feel like that because I feel like it's disregarding our disability and saying that being abled is the, the right way, but you differently abled. I feel like it's condescending. Yeah, I can hear that. Probably disabled is the best term. I'm glad that I got it right then because with me, I don't even be meaning to say certain things. Sometimes for me, they come out certain ways. Like I didn't mean it, but it's kind of just what came to mind. So, you know, but um, yeah, yeah, it's important to clear that up. Brittany, I want to thank you again for being a part of this project. I really appreciate um, your enthusiasm with this and, you know, getting the ball rolling as far as, hey, this is things that should be talked about. I told you a little bit before, I want to get people talking a little bit more and even to help myself to get me talking a little bit more. Thank you for showing me that, you know, we even not with the subject we may not have much in common but we have things in common i think on a spiritual level and on a personal level and it just teaches you that you just don't know who you can connect with even from different walks of life so thank you for showing me that thank you for showing us that out there this was Brittany on Tabooish, on being disabled in an able-bodied world, okay? Have compassion for others, learn their story, communicate when you don't understand something. And, you know, just for me, just have an open mind. We're all different here. Try to get to know other people's stories before you just jump to your own conclusions. Just be be not ignorant. Don't be willing, as Brittany say, don't be willingly ignorant. So this is taboo-ish. We'll holla at you later.